gets. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Once again, we're back at it. It's the Infectious Scouting Podcast. I am one of your hosts, R.I.C. in a place to be, Rick Saratella. Tell it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft. Hey, since 2002, it's what we do. And that's my favorite time of the week. And that's because we get to pick the brain of the one, the only, Russell Landy. And we get inside the head of his two decades of scouting experience. Of course, NFL, CFL, XFL, UCLA, uh, the creator of GM Jr., now Infectious Scouting. Make sure you check them out at RussLandy.com. You can follow them on Twitter, at RussLandy. And uh, we're revved up, ready to go. This is our seventh episode already. So, hey, if you're a, a frequent visitor, we appreciate you getting on board. If you're new to the show, feel free to click subscribe, drop us a comment. We're out there on the iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, and of course, over on social media. So, hey, we appreciate all the love and support. We're going to dive into the week that was. We're going to look ahead at the week that is. We've got the highly anticipated Russ Landy top five prospects in the land. We'll talk about that later in the show. But first, let's welcome in that man. He is Russell Landy, and he joins us on the VIP hotline. What's happening, my man, Russ? What's happening? I mean, who's more excited? Let's get this going. I'm pumped, man. This is awesome. Oh, Anytime yeah. I get to chat with Rick every day, there's nothing better. No, it's a, it's I, it's my favorite time of the week, and uh, we're going to dive right into it. You know, Rodney Dangerfield-style uh, triple, triple diving board right into the pool. Uh, <laughs> give us a, a, a quick recap, Russ, on, you know, last week we discussed some big matchups. Give us a little recap on what you saw this past week, some players that caught your attention. Let's get right into the action, my man. Well, you know, the first one is funny. I, I, I said, all right, I'm going to watch Washington, USC. Um, part of me, because I want to see the prospects, a bigger part of me, just because anytime I can watch USC and pray they lose, because they're just the worst place ever in the history of the world. As a guy who got his football career started at UCLA, I'm anti-USC until they get rid of football there. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I went into the game. I was so pumped to watch Easton. Um, their quarterback at Washington, the Georgia transfer, and he, he impressed me. That, 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 that was exciting. But to me, the other two guys that jumped out of me when I'm watching that game, firstly, it was great seeing Trey Adams back at left tackle this year. Missed last year due to injury. Um, I, I'm not sold on him as a premier athlete, but when I watch him play, he's a long, linear kid. Knows how to use his length. Um, he's got quick feet, although I don't think he's a great athlete because he plays real high. But he's a good tackle, and he does a lot of things well. They give you hope that this guy can be a solid, good, productive starting tackle in the NFL. I thought he showed some good things. I want to see a little bit more aggressiveness with his hands. I'd love to see him bend his knees more, but I liked what I saw. But, you know, the thing that caught my attention more than anything watching that game is a guy that I hadn't even had on my radar because he's only a 
true third-year sophomore. But this kid, we've talked before about the tight end for Missouri, and I don't even want to try to pronounce his name, Albert, blah, 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 blah. Albert o. I think it's the Albert best o. tight end in. Yeah, this kid of Washington, he's in the same discussion with that kid. This kid's unbelievable. His name's Hunter Bryant. True, true third-year uh, junior. This kid is a legit elite receiving tight end. He dominates. The way he catches the ball on off-target throws, the way he makes tough grabs in traffic, his run-after-catch, his athleticism where you can line him up anywhere. You can split him out as a receiver. You can line him up in line. This kid grabbed my attention. I really hadn't been looking at many third-year juniors yet. Um but he jumped off the film literally in the first quarter. I think it was on the first or second series. He made a great play running after the catch on a drag right across the field. Immediately grabbed my attention. This is a kid. If you if you if you're watching Pac-10 or Pac-12 football this year, you get a chance to watch Washington. Make sure you watch this kid. I'm not saying he's definitely coming out, but if he does, he's going to be in the discussion, be the first tight end drafted. Because in today's NFL with receiving tight ends, this kid could be a just a dominant player. He was really fun to watch. Well, you know, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because suddenly if he's what you say he is, then, you know, Washington suddenly has a, a quick pipeline to the NFL with uh, Will uh, Will Disley, is it? And then uh, Jim Sample in recent years. And now this uh, Hunter Bryant kid could be uh, following in those footsteps. And Disley, I mean, he's, he's carved off carved out a nice little role for himself at the next level. Um, you mentioned Trey Adams. I think he's one of the more polarizing prospects in this year's draft, just because, you know, anytime, as you know, Russ, you're dealing with a back injury, it's scary because, hey, you could take all the x-rays in the world. It ain't going to tell you how that back's feeling. And any given play, I mean, we're all one play away from being on the sidelines, but the back is a trickery thing, and I, I, I could think, you know, even if he earns a first-round grade on film this year, I could still see him slide potentially into the second round due to that fact. Oh, there's no question. You know, you make a great point bringing up the back injury because if you just think back, well, he just retired this year, but Rob Gronkowski, when he came out of college, he had had some injuries early in his career. Then he got healthy, but then he had the back where he missed his final year. Teams get very leery about the back. Because unlike an ACL or a broken hand, which can be easily repaired, the back, no matter, even if they do it perfectly and all the surgery and all the rehab, the back is just a fickle thing. And some guys never recover. So, yeah, it's, it, any guy who's had back injuries, it raises a giant red, red flag to NFL teams. And there are some teams that unless they can literally get Every single medical guy that this kid's ever met with to sign off and say no chance of any future issues backwise. There are a lot of teams that don't touch offensive linemen or defensive linemen with back issues because that position requires so much bending that guys who have back issues, a lot of times it's a long, lingering problem that never goes away. So, yeah, it's a great point you make. And he is polarizing because, like I mentioned, he's not a great athlete. He's definitely an upright guy, definitely stiff in his movements. What he is is a long kid with long arms who knows what he's doing. He reminds me a little bit of the kid, Mike Adams, who came out of Ohio State a bunch of years ago, sure. went to the Steelers and really struggled with consistency. Similar type guy, and then he's just, it's more size and foot quickness that makes him a prospect, not athleticism. And those guys, there's, there's a high failure rate 
because you have to be athletic to protect the quarterback in today's NFL, but there are some bad athletes starting in the NFL and being very productive as offensive linemen. So you have to be cautious not to write this guy off, but I agree with you. He is a polarizing prospect. Yeah, and I think he is a right tackle at the next level for the reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, just one last point I will say, you know, well, Rick, well, if he's a first-round talent on, on film, why wouldn't he take him in the first round? Well, I think, you know, what it comes down to is you want to limit the risk in the first-round go ask the Atlanta Falcons this year with Caleb McGarry. Now, that was a different issue. It was a hard thing. It was a blip on the radar. You thought he would be fine. Whether he went late first, early second, I can't remember offhand. But he missed a handful of time now because that heart issue popped up during the preseason. And, hey, now you don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, the back injury, it's a thing where, hey, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and because of that, you want to limit the, the risk, especially with those first-round picks. Uh, why not, if you have a comparable prospect, and I believe there will be at the offensive tackle position, why not take somebody – uh, who's, you know, in the same ballpark with less risk. It's a safe player. It's a better return on your investment. Now, we're talking NFL Draft 101 here with Russ Landy, who also teaches the football GM and scouting course. And thank God for Russ here each and every week getting me caught up on what I need to know because I've been hitting the road hard. And I'm going to talk about the uh, Temple game that I had a chance to attend to. But before I do, Russ, for those who are listening, first time, you know, thinking about getting into the business, want to know what it entails to be a scout. How do I work my way up the ladder, kicking the doors into the NFL? Give us a little rundown about that course you're teaching over at smww.com. All right, I'm going to do that, but then I got to roll back to what we were talking about because of injury guys and, and offensive linemen. So remind me to do that. But the course really, okay. basically what it is, is SMWW, which I've been doing for over 10 years now. It's sort of an intro to football and scouting because anybody out there that thinks, yep, I'm going to take an eight-week class and boom, I'm going to get my certificate and bang, I'm hired in the NFL is out of their mind. And the reason I say that is when I was at the Rams and I was a gopher, my, one of my jobs during my four years at the Rams, one of my 6,000, because when you're an assistant, you do everything, was to collect all the letters that we got every week that had a letter, a cover letter and a resume begging for a job. And my job was to take those and just stick them in an Excel spreadsheet. And every month we'd print out anywhere from three to 5,000, sometimes up to 10,000 rejection letters saying, thanks for sending your resume. We'll keep you on file. Good luck in your career. What, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make is my course teaches you, hey, you're not getting in just sending a cover letter and resume, but we're going to teach you the basics of scouting organizational structure, and we're going to teach you the important process of what you can do to separate yourself from all of those other people, and what are the steps you have to take to build the contacts so that you can get a foot in the door somewhere to start, whether it's indoor professional league, Canadian league, major high school, college, anywhere where it's got to be to get a foot in the door, because once you get a foot in the door and you can start saying legitimately, I work in football, then it becomes a lot easier to work your way up to the NFL. But when you're not working for anybody in football, to be able to go directly to the NFL is virtually impossible. In this course, it's an eight-week course. It's not going to take hundreds of hours of time. Probably take you three or four hours a week of film watching and report writing. It teaches you the basics, what you need to really have a grasp for. Do I want to 
try to pursue this career? And if I am going to pursue this career, how am I best to try to get a foot in the door somewhere so I can start my football career? Yeah, and, you know, what's great about it is not only do you get the football background, but like Russ mentioned, you learn how to distinct, you know, uh, separate yourselves. And, you know, if you take Russ's course, then you would know he talks about the rejection letters, a couple hundred people getting rejected. Guess what? 98% of those people don't even respond back and thank the people for the rejection. And, you know, that's one thing you can't do is follow up and say thank you. And that's one of the things that Russ teaches that can make you stand out in that 2%. So check them out, smww.com. It's the Sports Management Worldwide Football GM and Scouting Course. Before we got into that, Russ gave us the ultimate cliffhanger with a topic that he wanted <laughs> on the injury so preach on my brother well you're the radio guy you you started radio and tv so you know i got a tease thing so that's what i was doing because i i I threw on the film this week and i said man i'm watching indiana i can't wait i'm gonna take a quick look i want to see coy cronk their offensive tackle this is fourth year as a starter flip on the michigan state film wait he's not there i go look it up oh man he got hurt versus uconn he's out for the year i didn't even know that because it was a week ago. And this is a kid, I looked at this kid on film, and now he's sort of like Adams. He's not a great athlete. He's, a, he's an okay athlete, but he's fundamentally sound, super competitive, unbelievably tough and nasty the way he blocks. But a guy, a lower right leg, I don't know if it's a knee or a lower right leg break, but he's out for the year, could redshirt. But he's another guy that I think has a chance to be a starting tackler in the NFL isn't getting any publicity, and he's the guy who's injured. And if it's lower leg, those are things, if it's just a broken bone, those are things that don't concern teams as much as a back injury like Adams has. So if this kid gets medically cleared, I could see this kid being a surprise second-round pick. I really like this kid. His film prior to getting hurt and from last year, he's an impressive kid. Now, he doesn't look the part. He looks a little bit like a square offensive lineman, which is normally what you say about a guard or a center. And that may be where he ends up in the NFL. But when I watch the kid play, he knows what he's doing. His footwork, his technique, it's all good. And he is, he's sort of like that guy that you say, geez, he's not athletic enough, but all he does is outmaneuver out his guy, block him, because he's always in the right position. And he is going to die before he gets beat through effort. Because his effort, his intensity, his aggressiveness is great. I like this kid. There's something about this kid that points to eight or ten years started in the NFL, and he won't care where it's at. He'll just line up and play, whether it's center, guard, tackle. He doesn't care. He just wants to be on the field. That, to me, is what I want in a football player. Russ is dropping gems on him. Give it, hit us with that name one more time, Russ. His name is Coy, C-O-Y, and his last name is Cronk, C-R-O-N-K, number 54 at Indiana. He is, this would have been his fourth year as a starter. He came into the year with 38 starts, um, started the first three or four games this year against UConn, suffered a broken or a blown, either a blown out knee or a broken lower leg because he was carted off the field and they announced the next day's out for the season. And he may or may not redshirt because that was his fourth game of the year. And if you're four games or less, usually the NCAA gives you the opportunity to redshirt without challenging it. Um, I don't know if you will or not. If he decides to stay in this draft class, I really think he's going to be drafted higher than people think. Um, if not, I think next year he could be returning as one of the top tackles in the country, even though, like I mentioned, he is not a great athlete. He is a 
good athlete with great technique, unbelievable competitiveness, great instincts, awareness, and smarts. This kid to me projects as a guy that you almost underdraft because you don't think he's a good enough athlete. And then when he gets in, he just gets hold of a starting job and never lets it go. When Russ Landy says it, you better pay attention. Follow him at Russ Landy. Of course, we're here each and every week on the Infectious Scouting Podcast, along with Chris Saratella. Us here, you there, breaking it down. And, uh, you know, Russ, I got some good news for you because I know you love gamers. And I was at uh, Lincoln Financial Field down in Philadelphia this past weekend. Uh, Jeff Collins back in town with his Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets visiting Temple, a, um, you know, very one-sided game. And, uh, you know, Temple came out on top 24 to two, but I know that, you know, every now and then comes along a player where, you know what, he might lack some of our, you know, check marks. He might not check the box off when it comes to the height department. He might not even check off all the boxes when it comes to the measurables. But there's one thing you can't measure in the intangibles department, and that's heart. And while you can't measure heart, every now and then, Russ, you come across a player who has so much heart that there's no denying it. The man is just uh, bleeding with passion. He is a uh, pure, you know, instinct, lateral sideline to sideline linebacker, who I even confirmed, you know, going into this Temple matchup, I hit up some of the former Owls players who are now playing in the NFL. I said, hey, now, I already knew the answer to the quiz, but I just wanted to confirm my instincts. I said, give me a guy I should keep a lookout for. And the response was consensus. Sean Bradley, Temple, linebacker, leader, intensity, tenacious, just call him Big Bad Bradley is what I have here in my scouting notes. Right, <laughs> I mean, you know, this guy made a huge uh, goal line stand against Maryland a few weeks back, kind of uh, changed the temple momentum of their season. You know, last year he had a game-changing interception against Maryland again. He uh, iced the game against Cincinnati with the interception. He came up big against Tulsa with the fake punt. He played special teams too, took a fake punt and a key first down to help win that game. And then he forced the game-winning fumble against Villanova. He just consistently shows up. And you know what? I'm not even sure he gets drafted, Russ. I gave him a fourth-round grade because, to me, when you can identify a guy like this and, and you know what, you got to feel good. Day three rolls around. I think this is a potential three-down backer, starter at the next level. And you know what? Because he doesn't check off all the boxes, I've got a day three grade on him. He may go undrafted, but if it was me personally, hey, I feel good about my chances. Anytime I can get a potential starter on day three, I've got to start thinking about that player in round four. Oh, there's no question. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you're, especially when you talk about a guy with all the intangibles and those types of things, that tells you right away, hey, this guy's going to be able to help us on special teams. And when you get on to day three, you're either looking at guys that you think have a chance to be elite special teams players that really probably are not potential starters, or they're guys with potential to be starters. So when you come across a guy that has a chance to be an elite special teams player right away, 
and you believe he has the potential to become a starter, that vaults him ahead of a lot of the other day three prospects. So I could totally see that. I mean, a guy that is athletic, knows what he's doing, plays with intensity, has great awareness, great instincts. I mean, to me, that screams, you know what, first year or two, I'm going to work my way, slowly get more and more playing time, then all of a sudden I'm going to get a start and I'm going to crush it and bang, then then that's it. I'm going to be the guy from then then going forward. So, yeah, I like what you're saying. It makes perfect sense, and I like the kid. I haven't graded him, but I've seen him play in a few games, and I think I agree with almost everything you've said, even though, like I said, I have not officially graded him yet. Well, one last thing to keep in mind, and this was the other interesting nugget when I came across him. He actually, he's only six foot one, two twenty five. He he began, you know, he was a running back, defensive back coming out of high school. He converted to linebacker, you know, after I think a season or, or two. But he started his first game in 2017. They threw him in there against Notre Dame, his first start, without any game reps at linebacker. So he, you know, he's wow. into the position. You know, he's got the frame to grow. And he just oozes upside. So, again... I'm not sure he even gets drafted, but, you know, every now and then you come across a player where you just say, hey, this kid's going to make it. I'm going to give him a draftable grade, and I'm going to stick to my gut here because, you know, you see so many players, you just know. And, again, measurables and heart are a hard thing to measure. But every now and then you get a guy who, who stands out, and you just know you got to go with your gut. And uh, as much as I love to incorporate analytics, and, and there is some value to that, you know, at the end of the day, the good old eye test and the gut instincts, I think, are the two things that went out. And that's why you can't teach experience. You can't just take a Russ Landy, hire a 20-year-old kid, and expect the same kind of end result. It doesn't happen that way. That's so so important to keep into perspective. And one thing you really – the more you get involved in this business, the more you realize how little you know, how much there is to learn, and how many years uh, people have – you know dedicated their their life to this business so hey uh we're always learning here on the infectious podcast i'll give you two other players that caught my eye there isaiah wright one of these final uh matt rule recruits tough hard-nosed reminds me of muhammad sanu when he was at rutgers because you know matt rule used him in the wildcat early on he's been used as a running back he's been used on end arounds he's a six foot one 215 pound wide out um, but he returns kicks and returns punts. He's got a handful of kick returns and punt returns, a do-it-all weapon. I think he went uh, – if he didn't go in this game, next game he's going to – on fake end-arounds and use them in motion, keeping the defense honest that the defense had it allowed the ground game to get going. So Isaiah Wright, another one, I gave him a round seven grade. I think, you know, he could, he's a borderline draftable guy. There's going to be, I'm anticipating a lot of underclassmen uh, declaring for the draft can push some of these uh, seniors back. A guy like the South Carolina wideout Brian Edwards, you know, who could be maybe the best senior prospect you know, there's a chance he falls all the way to day three due to all the underclass. When you take a look at Debo Samuel in the senior ball, lights out, you know, he falls to yeah. round two or round three because of the underclassmen. So <laughs> a lot of X factors. 
one underclassman I did like. He already has his degree. He's graduated. His brother Thomas plays for the Jets, so he's got strong bloodlines. And he's a smart person on and off the field. He's a redshirt junior. It would not surprise me if Matt Hennessy from Don Bosco Prep High School, shout out to Don Bosco Prep, Matt Hennessy from Temple, I actually think he's a day two selection at center. Um, it would not surprise me if he does declare. I think he would be one of the best three, four, five center prospects in the country. And with his degree in hand, I, I think that's a name uh, worth remembering. So uh, the one not guy not a degree in hand, yes. but it means he could he might be able to go to an All Star game because if he's got hey, the degree hey, in hey, hand, hey, Russ. We're trying to keep that one under wraps, brother. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 let's, get, let's fan that fire, baby. <laughs> hey, so um, one one player I will tell you is uh, David Curry from Georgia Tech. Um, you know, he's actually just granted an extra redshirt year, so he's now technically a redshirt junior a guy to keep an eye on all over the field, team captain, thumper-type linebacker, thick build, warms to the football, was in on a ton of plays. Um, and you mentioned the all-star game for us. I want to touch base on that. Before we do, is there anybody else from this past week that you need to get off the chest? No, those are the, the ones I mentioned are really the guys. I was only really able to watch those two games, Washington, USC, Indiana, Michigan State. So uh, those are really the guys that jumped out at me. All right, good. So we'll look ahead at the upcoming weekend. We also have the Russ Landy top five prospects in the land. You won't want to miss that. Before you do, you mentioned the all-star game process, Russ. Uh, new listeners may or may not know uh, my involvement with the NFLPA Collegian Bowl as an advanced scout. We're assembling a 112-man roster to be played in Pasadena, California at the historic Rose Bowl on January the 18th. I hope you'll be there. Um, but, you know, with someone of your experience, two decades of working the uh, scouting trails, and we've touched about this. I think it was our preseason shows, if anybody wants to go back and listen to the archives. But just speak upon the importance, the value, especially with the big three, in terms of what the all-star process brings in the evaluation uh, scale. Well, you know, I, I really think the All-Star process does a lot of great things. First off, it, for guys that are already established and everybody knows, it, it gives them a chance to sort of show their, their wares in front of the scouts. But I think what it does more than anything is for those guys that are a little less known, that maybe one scout went into the school and gave the guy a sixth or seventh round grade or maybe even a free agent, and then he gets invited out to the NFL PA game or even to the Senior Bowl, and he's a better player than maybe that scout had thought, or maybe he's a small school kid that the scout didn't really want to put a big grade on because he didn't really feel comfortable saying, hey, this this corner from Bloomsburg, PA, I'm going to put a third-round grade on him. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable, so they put a seventh-rounder. Well, he gets there. You get to see this kid, whether he's from Michigan or, or Bloomsburg, you get to see him all match up. And you get to compare them athletically. You get to interview these kids. You get to watch them practice. You really get a chance to put them on equal footing because nobody, whether they're from Michigan, Alabama, or Evangel College in Missouri, nobody has been practicing at this facility or working with these coaches before. So all of them are out of their comfort zone. So now it really becomes best player. It's not about where you played, how many accolades you got in college. It's a chance to get out there and show your stuff. You get interviewed. 
They get to watch how you interact, how you lead, how you follow, how you take direction, all those things. It's a great opportunity for players that are not instantly considered top 30, top 50 players to really put a stamp and say, hey, I deserve to not only be drafted, but I deserve to be drafted higher than people are talking about me being drafted. So all-star games are enormously valuable. Um, I think especially when you look at senior bowl, NFL, PA, I mean, these are games that are going to have tons of NFL people there, and it's a chance for a prospect to really put a stamp on his college career the last time he's going to wear pads as a college player and really show potential employers this is the type of not only player I am, but this type of person I am. And I think it's enormously valuable for these kids. Yeah, and listen, at the end of the day, the cream always rises to the top. And I think you find out, you know, like last year's uh, as a senior, somebody stepped up. You find out who the alpha dog is, right? You get all these talented quarterbacks. They're all the team captain and team leaders. And then, you know, it just somehow emerges. There's an alpha dog. Uh, the one-on-ones in the trenches, I love it because it separates the men from the boys. Um, careers are ended in all-star games. And draft stocks are improved in all-star games. But what's great about it, like Russ said, is the diversity. If you're talented, we'll find you. For example, I'll be out at, you know, Ivy League action on Friday night with Dartmouth taking on Penn. There's a cornerback by the name of Isaiah Swan. A lot of buzz around him. To your point, Russ, missed the first two games doing my pregame research. Hasn't played yet this year. Lingering hamstring carrying over from training camp. Hopefully, hopefully he's in the lineup because I'm really going out there just to scout that one player. Now, there's other players on the radar, but we're going to find out, is he worthy enough? And if you're talented, we will find you. Ivy League, HBCU, D3, D2, we're looking for you. I've got coaches hitting me up all day long, putting players on my radar. So, hey, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com. Can't wait to see you all out there. Can't wait to break down this weekend's matchup with the man, Russ Landy. Follow him at Russ Landy, RussLandy.com. Lots of great stuff coming up leading up to that 2020 draft, Las Vegas style. Woo! It's going to be big, um, but nothing's better than being here each and every week. So click subscribe, share it, comment, drop us a line. I just gave you my email. If you have a question, you can get up, get at us on Twitter. Um, you know, we try to, do it all here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast, Russ. Um, woo! Week number six. God, it's 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 like we're past the quarter pole now. And it's like, you know, we're almost a third of the way through the season, really. We talk about the all-star process. I mean, we're just three months away from January when those all-star games will be taking place. So it's crazy how fast the season is flying by. Lots of Big actions, uh, big matchups this weekend in the SEC and Big Ten. Uh, where's your eyes going to be focused on, Russ? You know, to me, there's three games I want to I want to take a real close look at. I mean, Texas is playing West Virginia, um, and I know neither of these programs is, is is top ten right now in terms of these deep all around guys. But you know, after people stop talking about Tua. And they bear, and we get into sort of that second tier of quarterback. Sam Erlinger, Erlinger, however you want to pronounce it, Erlinger, 
this kid's interesting to me. He's in that Nate Stanley group of quarterbacks, and then he's got some physical tools. He can make a lot of throws. I want to watch more of this kid. I can't wait to see this game. I want to see how he has progressed. Last year, he did some very good things on film. He showed a live arm, showed the ability to do a lot of things. I want to see this game. Very excited to take a peek at him. Another game, this is a Big Ten. I'm a Big Ten guy. And this is another guy, sort of out of nowhere. I mentioned the Coy Cronk kid. You know, when Michigan State and Ohio State play this weekend, what the starting guard, one of the starting guards for Ohio State is a kid named Jonah Jackson. And this is a kid that last year was a starting guard all season for actually two straight years at Rutgers. And he's transferred as a grad transfer to Ohio State. And he's been starting at Ohio State all season. This kid is a really good player. I mean, this kid's a guy that I could see pushing to be a top 60 pick. I was stunned when I was watching Rutgers' first game of the year and didn't see him because I didn't realize he had done the grad transfer thing. When you watch this kid on film, he jumps out. He is a huge human being. And even though he doesn't weigh 350 or 360, when you look at him, he looks like he's 350, 360 because he's thick in the shoulders. He's got thick lower body. And he physically, when he gets hold of people, he dominates them. Very intriguing player. He's not a super unbelievable athlete. He's going to run in the, the 4950 flat area, but he's athletic. He's Big, he's powerful, and he dominates guys once he gets his hands on them. And the last game I can't wait to look at is Washington-Stanford. It's not because of the Washington players I mentioned before. They, I've talked about them enough. But just like I mentioned Sam Erlinger, you know, Costello for Stanford, another quarterback, sort of an intriguing guy. I was sort of hoping to be able to watch Walter a little also. When the season began, I sort of pointed at this game as a game to look at Easton and Costello, but Lil, the left tackle for Stanford, out for the year. So it's really going to come down. I want to see Costello. He's another guy in that second or third tier quarterbacks this year. Just want to take a peek at. Haven't really gotten to take a close look at him. Haven't seen much of this kid, and I really want to take a look and say, hey, is this a guy I think has draftable skills or not? So those are really the three games I'm going to try to take a peek at this weekend to take a look at some of the guys I think have a chance to be draftable players. Yeah, some interesting quarterbacks there that you mentioned. Costello's an intriguing one because grades for him vary all over the board um, from draftable to undraftable. So it'll be interesting. You know, Kevin Hogan, I think, is still lingering around somewhere, I believe. Um, and Ellinger, you know, he's a guy who's flashed. You know, I think he needs to just be more consistent because So um, I've got to tune in and check up check up on him for 2019. And then, yeah, Jonah Jackson, uh, the Rutgers, you know, uh, graduate transfer to Ohio State. A couple of those guys lingering around at the college football ranks. Rondell Carter at James Madison, another guy from Rutgers that uh, is going to get some looks. But, hey, uh, you know, I am big here in New Jersey. Rutgers made a switch uh, at head coach this year. If you're in a player – that is in high school, that lives in New Jersey, and are listening to the show right now. Hey, this is my plea, man. Stay Jersey strong. Let's fence the garden. Keep it in state. Let's make Rutgers strong again. Let's make Rutgers great again, baby. And we'll see what happens. I'll tell you what, if they, if they kept all the players in Jersey, just oh, if we had keep, say, fans. eight out of the top ten, you'd be, you'd be a top ten program every year. Because if you think back 20 years ago, Penn State built their program on yeah. 
and in the kids from Pennsylvania, but they got every kid from Jersey. They got every single top kid went there to Penn State, and that's how they built their program. Shiano made a big difference when he came to Rutgers. He started keeping kids like Ray Rice at home. And if you can do that and keep those elite talents at home in Jersey, that's a program that should win every year. They should win 10 games. They should be a dominant program. They have such a pipeline there. And the ad attack, now they're in the Big Ten. And they're the only team in that New York metropolitan area that's at a major football conference. They should be winning, and they will attract massive media attention. I, I, this to me, whether it's Shiano or somebody else, they should get a big name head coach. And if you're a player in Jersey, you ought to be staying at Rutgers. They have a chance to make a huge difference and change the history of that program. Well, Shiano has been mentioned as one guy. Butch Jones is another guy they've reached out to reportedly. So we'll. Sh- Like somebody told me the other day, you know, they need a head coach that doesn't have to put Don Bosco prep in the GPS. You know what I'm saying? Yep, no doubt. That, that's the deal with, with Chris Ash, and he's a, he's a great coach, I'm sure. But like you said, it's all about the recruiting. And New Jersey, I think when the NFL came out with that list, most players by state or whatever – I mean, New Jersey had like the third most or fifth most players in the NFL. I mean, are you kidding me? If we can keep 10% of those guys, come on, baby. This is my plea. Yep. I know we, we got a big listening audience out there in Jersey. Let's make it happen, baby. Let's go. I'm telling you, it, it shouldn't be that hard. The biggest thing they need to focus on, and this is the thing that I think too many colleges don't realize, and especially for a college in a talent-rich state, it, yeah, it's great to go get your ex no genius and all that to be a coordinator and stuff. But your head coach, he better be a great recruiter because he needs to be able to close. Because if you can close and you can recruit in Jersey, you're going to win games because there's so much talent in that state. Other states, maybe you don't need that head coach who's a closer because you're going to have to go far and wide across the country. But when you need to lock down your state, that's where that's where Rutgers needs somebody who can come in there and say what you want about Shiano. There's a lot of people that have different things to say about him that aren't so positive. But this this guy won at Rutgers, and he kept the best players in Jersey in Jersey because he can recruit, and that's what they need. I think he would be the perfect fit to come back there. And if he wants to be back there, that's an even bigger selling point to recruits because it tells you this is a guy that could have been the head coach at a lot of major schools, and he's choosing to come back to Rutgers because he knows he can turn it around. Well, Pat Hobbs, if you're out there listening, get it done. There's been reports here in New Jersey that the reason why, if you remember, he stepped down from that Patriots uh, position earlier before the season even got underway. There's reports that's because Rutgers kind of had preliminary discussion reaching out to Gage's interest, like, hey, Chris uh, Chris Ash might be a sitting duck over here. If we pull the trigger, uh, you know, maybe there's going to be a reunion. So we'll uh, keep our eyes and ears peeled with anticipation there. Okay. This weekend is great anticipation. As Russ mentioned, a lot of big games on the docket i will be at penn state as he mentioned watching all the jersey watching all the jersey players all the jersey kids exactly yeah <laughs> and uh you know man oh man 
again, doing the pregame uh, research leading up to this matchup, I was I was really looking forward to it. Got a little bit of a damper to it just because so many players for Purdue. I don't think any team has been hit harder with the injury flu. I mean, Rondell Moore is out. Uh, Lorenzo Neal, the defensive tackle, is out. Uh, the quarterback, Elijah Sendelar, is out. I mean, they are uh, wounded, walking wounded in uh, Purdue. And uh, Penn State now suddenly heavy favorites. Uh, I know we've talked about Rondell Moore in the past. I think he has a chance to be a blue chipper as in the top 10. And then, uh, you know, Penn State has got a feisty defense. Uh, a couple players there I'm looking at. Um, you know, any any comments there before we get to your top five? Well, you know, the, the, one, the one guy, I mean, I don't think, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. But the one guy that when I watched Penn State on defense that jumped out just in terms of the way he plays the game and the effort is Robert Windsor. I mean, this is – he literally looks like a fire hydrant on wheels, but he plays like his hair's on fire. I mean, I don't know if he's even over six foot. He looks like a short, stocky little guy. But, man, he plays like every down that the last play he's ever going to play. If he gets his hands on the offense lineman, he does not get knocked backwards. He just sinks down and, and he anchors. This is a kid. It wouldn't shock me if he measures 6'1 and change or something. But, man, he's a good football player. He knows what he's doing. Classic try-hard overachiever. And a lot of those guys end up, end up making it in the NFL as sort of backup guys. I could also see him being a guy that some teams look at and say – we know he could probably be our last D tackle, and and but he's not a quick twitch guy. But with that toughness, with his smarts, his intensity, and if he is six foot six one and six one, say three hundred, I could see a team saying, "No, we're going to try to convert him to center or guard." There's something intriguing about that kid to me um, as as a priority free agent, maybe a late round pick if your team really falls in love with him. But he's an intriguing guy to keep an eye on. Well, you know, great minds do think alike, and our friend Gil Brantz is also very high on him. Very big fan of Robert Windsor. So, uh, there we go. If you're, if you're out in state colleges uh, Saturday, or even if you're at Pennsylvania University, whether it's Penn on Friday <laughs> or Penn State on Saturday, and you're going to be in the area, give me a holler. Always looking forward to meeting up and connecting with all of you out there. And now we're going hey, to I don't know about you, Robert. man, but anytime I go to on visits to Penn or Dartmouth, all I know is for guys like you and me going to those football games, that's the only way they were ever letting us, either one of us, on those campuses. So you got to oh, enjoy no, no. it when you're down at those Ivy League schools. They were letting us in for the academics, so we got to get in there and at least enjoy the football. Yeah, it's like when I go visit Columbia up there and. uh Washington Heights, they're like, hey, who who let this guy in off the street? Yeah, exactly. Why are you here, buddy? Can you spell Columbia? Come on now. <laughs> okay. So, Russ, we're winding down. This uh, show always flies by so fast. Each and every year on the Infectious Adam podcast. Of course, uh, at Russ Landy over there on the Twitterverse, he's always banging you and bopping you over the head with uh, draft analysis scouting advice, little tidbits and, and things that, you know, the average observer might not be picking up on. So he's a great follow. Make sure you go uh, follow him there and visit com. Of course, he's got the football GM and scouting course over at Sports Management Worldwide. And now he's got the quarter pole mark 
top five prospects in the land. We're unveiling it here on our seventh episode of the season, with or so of the college football season. Look, with that being said, Rush, I don't know how you want to unveil them. Any given order, a rundown. I'm gonna give you the stage, bow out of the way, and we are waiting, anticipating. Overall, please, can we have a nice landing? All right, so we're talking top five. Now, I'm going to just give the quick caveat is I'm not putting any quarterbacks in it because I haven't graded them in my thorough grading way yet. So, Tua, A. Bear, those guys, they're, they're, on my, they're on my sort of to-be-looked-at list. So, I haven't included any quarterbacks, but I really have six guys. To me, it starts and it ends with Chase Young out of Ohio State. Um, came into the year with a few other guys that people were saying, oh, this Epinesa kid from Iowa, and he's going to be in the discussion. No, trust me, Chase Young is the best defensive end in the country. This is a dominant player. The only thing he doesn't have when I watch film is he doesn't have that rare initial quickness. But he's a long, big, sick-body kid, dominates at the point of attack, very good hand use. This kid's going to play a lot of years in the NFL. Other kids, we talked about him last week as a guy I was looking forward to take a peek at, the Derrick Brown kid out of Auburn. In today's NFL, where guys like Aaron Donald are just destroying offenses because you need to get in the pocket faster, a defensive tackle like Brown, who's got quickness off the ball, who can defeat blocks and get behind the line of scrimmage, enormous value. This kid's going to go high in the draft. I mean, NFL teams are going to be excited. The more they get to watch this kid, hopefully the interviews and the medical for him and for Chase Young really turn out as, as good as their on-field play because I can see both these guys going in the top two. Um, and I'll throw in Chase Young's teammate, Jeffrey Akunda, the kid that I mentioned back before the season started. This cornerback, he is dynamic athletically. He has really taken a big step from last year. Last year, there was some inconsistency. He was often around the play, but he wasn't making the play. This year, you're seeing him make the play. So clearly, he's worked his butt off. His coaches have worked with him. They've tightened up a little of his transition footwork, and he's become a little bit more confident and aggressive going for the ball when he's got to break up plays. Um, really like that kid. think he's got a chance to be a corner that you can literally trail a receiver with anywhere over the field. He won't just be in a one-aligned position. You can say, you know what? You go get on whatever, whoever it may be, Julio Jones or Julian Edelman. You're taking the top receiver this week, and that's your guy. You go cover him. Um, my fourth guy, another DB, Grant Delpit, the safety at LSU. You know, a lot of safeties 10 years ago, teams would say, ah, they're not that important. They're just sort of sitting at the back of the defense. They're sort of emergency. Tackle the guy if he gets by everybody. No longer. And when you get a safety like Delpit, who not only can patrol the end as a center fielder, but you can bring this kid down, you can put him on slot receivers, you can put him over tight ends and running backs. He is an influencer in coverage and as a tackle. I like this kid. I have to, I want to see him live. I'm hoping he goes to one of the all-star games, at least give me a chance to take a peek at his body structure, the way he moves. I want to see that, but I really like him. And then I have a tie for fifth because I have two receivers here. There's the Jerry Judy kid from Alabama. This kid to me right now, he, he's just a unique guy. I mean, Alabama has 16 players. They're going to probably go in the first round. It's ridiculous. And one or two other receivers that may challenge to be first-round picks. But when I look at Judy, I see a guy that I think potentially has a chance to be a productive, good starting receiver in the NFL. But i got to throw the other kid in. This is the kid you and I talked about a lot during the preseason. You first brought him up to me. Is the kid LaVisca Chanel from Colorado. This kid doesn't look 
as big as Judy. But when you watch this kid play, his routes, his quickness out of his cuts, his natural ability to get his head and his hands around quickly, he this kid, to me, there's something about him that I see a polished, really just a polished college receiver. He looks a little bit to me like Keenan Allen. I could see this guy coming in the NFL, instantly stepping in and starting to catch a lot of balls. So those guys, to me, are going to be in the battle. I'm sure there'll be a few other guys that get thrown in later on. But those two, to me, are in the battle to be the top receiver in this year's draft. So that's my top six. See, I gave you one extra, and I didn't even include the quarterback. So that tells you how many guys that I love this year. This year's draft is going to be phenomenal. There's going to be at least 10 to 11 elite guys, whereas last year there were two or three. I think this is going to be the first year probably the last 15, where I end up giving over 20 first-round grades to players. Most of the time, I'm about 13 to 15 first-round players. Most teams have about 13 to 19. This year, I'll bet you almost every NFL team is going to have 25 first-round grades. There is so much talent across the country. Yeah, I mean, usually if you can get it up into like the 18-22 range, that's a pretty strong draft. And, you know, I will agree with your assessment because in addition, just doing the preliminary scouting for the all-star circuit as well, engaging the senior class. This is one of the top senior classes in terms of talent, overall talent and depth. I mean, this is really going to be a locked and loaded kit. I mean, we talked about the Braylon, uh, Braylon Edwards, the Edwards receiver at South Carolina, I mean, he yep. could he could legitimately fall to like day three. I mean, you mentioned Judy and and uh, Chenault, and I agree with everything you said. By the way, I mean there's and we haven't even mentioned Rugs and and uh, exactly. and C.D. Lamb and um, uh, uh, Duvernay is another guy that's popped up. I mean, it's so at the wide receiver, and I I agree. Chenault, he's just built for the NFL. I think he's an immediate impact player. I think. Judy will also, uh, you know, instantly jolt any offense. Delpit is a guy we've discussed in the past. And uh, Akuda from Ohio State, I mean, he really, really, like you said, has improved his stock and worked his uh, way up in chip status. And uh, he'd really have to have a, a poor performance the rest of the way to fall out of the top ten, in my opinion. Um, the two, the top two you guys. I was just going to mention to you, to, to back up what you're saying about how good just the seniors are, think about how bad the quarterbacks were in Mobile last year. There wasn't a lot there, it was all, right? This year, you could have guys like Nate Stanley, Erlinger, Costello. These are seniors. That's not even the, that's not even including Tua and a bear and guys like that. We're talking these are the second-tier quarterbacks, and they're really good. Jordan Love, I think, is going to graduate. And, uh, exactly. Burrow, yeah. the kid from LSU. Uh, yeah. Aaron Gordon, the, the Washington State is leading the country in, in passing. Uh, how about Jalen Hurts? Yeah, and about, that's another great one that's, that's going to cause a lot of debate. Where is Jalen Hurts? I've heard scouts tell me they're shocked. He's better than they thought. He's got to be on the radar. I've had other scouts tell me he's a complete product of the system. He's not even worth considering his draftable player. So he's going to be another guy that's going to be a huge debate as to where he goes. No, I think it's an uh, outstanding uh, draft class altogether. And I think 
it's funny because Shea Patterson, a guy who we thought could be potentially top 100 guy, I'm not even sure he gets a senior bowl invite now. Yeah, you, you may be 100% correct. He could be a guy that literally falls off the radar, ends up as a free agent. Could be, could be a guy that ends up having a great career in Canada. I mean, <laughs> you hate to say it, but uh, he's sort of fallen off the map this uh, first half of the season. It's not too late. He can still rebound. But, yeah, he's, you talk about a guy that came into the year potential to climb up and challenge to be a day two pick. And now you got to be thinking, is this guy even going to be a day three pick? And on the opposite end of the spectrum, Jacob Eason, who you've been tuning the horn for pretty good here, I believe he's another one who's on on par to graduate, could be a senior bowl candidate. And yep. honestly, you know, I've heard there's guys looking for this guy. I mean, he could catapult all the way up to round one. Yeah, he. Re- you know what? It's funny because we only talked about him, I think, last week for the first time or maybe two weeks ago, but this is a kid I didn't know a whole lot about until I saw him at Washington. But you know, you've been covering this forever. Guys were natural throwing the ball. Could the ball just comes out of their hand like a shot out of a shotgun and comes out with a zip and accuracy. They're hard to find. There are a lot of guys who like Cam Newton, who can throw the ball, but it's not a natural thing. He has to put it into it. He's got to, he rips it. This kid is almost an effortless motion, and the ball just explodes out of his hand. And when you come across guys that flash that, it's rare. So, yeah, he has things to work on. He's not a finished product by any stretch. But there's a lot of things to look at. When you look at him physically, Not I'm not talking about all the – Accuracy and all that, just pure physical talent. There's not much separating him, if anything, from Tua, from a bear, from Fromm. I mean, he's right there physically with all them. So you got to look at it and say, okay, well, why is he not being talked about as a potential guy in that discussion? Because physically, he can do everything those guys can. Now it's just a matter of figuring out who's the most consistent, who's the most accurate. Because wow, Easton's got a lot of talent. No doubt. And just to recap that top five here, the Russ Lance, first top five of the season. We'll check back in about a month or so and see if there's any moving and shaking going on. As of today, October, Chase Young, Derek Brown from Derek Brown, him, Okuda, Nelpit, Judy, uh, LaVisca Chenault. It sounds like a winery. It does, totally. <laughs> And you throw in the two quarterbacks, Tua and Herbert. There's your top eight prospects, really, that Russ just gave you here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. So that was fun. Uh, we'll check back in. It's the first week of October. We'll check back in November and see where this board stands. One last question for you quickly here, Russ. Chase Young, there's already a buzz now. Better than Bosa. Are you buying or selling you know, I mean, I, I think there's a difference in them. I think this kid is more powerful than Bosa. Um, I like his frame a little bit more. The one thing I give both Bosa's credit for, and I think Joey was a better prospect and, and he's going to still continue to be a better player than Nick, who just came out this year. But Young, I think, is not as, as polished in terms of technique. So I think Young may have a little bit more physical talent. I don't know if he's as polished to make that – Easy impact because of the technique, but they're awfully good. I mean, this kid, his talent, young. There are not many big guys that move like he does, and that's sort of what to me is so impressive. Is there are a lot of two hundred forty pounders that can beat guys around the corner, and there are a lot of 
280, 280-pound guys that can overpower guys. There aren't many guys in that 260, 255, 265 range that have the athleticism to beat guys around the corner, but also have the strength and power and hand use to jolt and just dominate guys as a power rusher. Um, I'm interested to see what Young weighs. I think he's going to be in the 260s. But this kid, to me, yeah, he, he's pretty special. Yeah, I don't know if he's better than Bosa but, or either Bosa, but he, he's really good. <laughs> now, you hit the nail on the head with the right word there, special. He's just a special talent. And I think, you know, also what you said is, you know, Bosa is probably a plug-and-play impact guy where Young, I think, has the higher ceiling and upside. So I think that's the yep. street there. If there's not a quarterback chosen number one overall, it will be Chase Young. And then I lied. I have one more, Russ. I'm hoping they don't make the same mistake on Derrick Brown. You mentioned Aaron Donald. I felt like in this past year, Ed Oliver was undervalued, even though he went like 9 or 10 overall. To me, this is top five pound. I think his play so far early on is showing that. And I agree with you. I hope that teams don't bypass a talent like Derrick Brown. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think Brown is as good an athlete and defensive tackle in terms of power, athleticism. It's hard to find guys like him. Um, I think Oliver, there was a little bit of debate for two reasons. One is he's a, he's a, he plays very high. He doesn't play like a D tackle in terms of technique. plays a lot like a D end. And there were some concerns questions about maturity, commitment, those types of things when he was at Houston, um, which which some teams are going to take that stuff seriously. And, and sometimes they will overanalyze it and knock a guy down when maybe what the, the information they're gathering isn't great. And they're not getting the true scope of what the kid is about. And sometimes that leads you to sort of pass on a guy that maybe has the elite talent, but there are concerns about his maturity and stuff. And that may well turn out to be why Oliver slid and why he becomes a great player that didn't go in the top three or four, as his film often indicated he should, because his film at times was unbelievable at Houston. And he just didn't do it consistently. And I think that's what concerned NFL teams. Well, it's another hour of power in the book. We're going to put a ribbon on this. Beautiful package that is the Infectious Gavin podcast. Any last words for the people parting shots that you would like to impart on everyone, Russ? All I can tell you is it's great that you get to talk football. It's so exciting. But let's remember the real, true, important thing. Today is the most important day of the year because the NHL season kicks off today. And that's all that matters. <laughs> football goes in the back. Now, now I got my Rangers games. That's now my number one watching thing every week. It becomes the Rangers. So it's all great that football's here, but let's not forget that hockey starts tonight. I'll tell you, I mean, every time I go to Russell's house, there's like another TV on the wall. This guy's got like 20 TVs and all that. And the best part is you haven't noticed I keep charging them to your car. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Is that why I got all these Best Buy bonus rewards things going on? Exactly. You thought Samantha was just doing a lot of shopping. <laughs> well, Russ, that about does it for another great jam-packed episode. As always, we appreciate all the knowledge and the insight. He is Russell Landy, owner and operator of Infectious Scouting. Check him out at RussLandy.com. You can also follow him at Russ Landy. We'll be back right here, breaking it all down once again 
I am Rick Saratella. We are here on the All Access Football Podcast Network, and we really appreciate all your love and support. Till the next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast.